once you know how to do these different types of writing, then whatever you're studying at home, you're able to assign the kids know how to do it. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Director of Marketing. Our goal here is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. Good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for taking time out of what I know are very busy summer schedules. Hopefully you're having an enjoyable and perhaps restful summer, maybe not quite as busy as during the school year. Uh, My name is Laura House, and I'm glad to be with you tonight for several reasons. Um, I love sharing about IEW because of what happened with my own children when we finally found IEW. And I want to share that story with you simply because I think uh, probably one of my children's stories may resonate with you. But what I do at IEW now, uh, I am the marketing manager, so I work with getting the word out about events that are happening. And then I also work with hybrid schools and co-ops around the country. So um, a lot of enjoyable tasks that I get to do each day with IEW. The reason I love working here so much is because of what happened to my kids. You can see my kids when they were little, and now you can see them grown. But I want to share just a moment about how we found IEW. My oldest was in 10th grade at the time, so I had 10th, 8th, and 6th grade students. And we had homeschooled from the very beginning. So by the time you get that old, you can imagine we had been through a lot of attempts at writing. I had been through many, many programs, and my oldest son has some learning disabilities, and for him, in 10th grade, he literally could not do a paragraph without just great difficulty. He wanted to head to college, but you've got to be able to communicate and write when you go to college, and he had given up hope. I had given up hope. We really didn't know what we were going to do. My second child, my daughter, loved to write. And she was one of those kids that when I wanted one page, I got five. But I'd read it, and it was kind of creative, but I knew that I needed to help her kind of fix her writing, hone her writing, and I didn't know how to help her. And then my youngest was the computer engineer type brain, and he just had absolutely no interest in writing. He was a sixth grader at the time, and he'd also seen what had gone through, what his older brother had gone through. So that's where we were. So I don't know where, when you're logging in tonight, what your story is, but that's uh, but the moment that we found IEW. Uh, one of my friends has eight children and called me up one day and said, Laura, I found another program. I'll buy it if you'll do it at your house. So I thought, well, okay, I can try one more. But I didn't tell my kids till the night before because I knew I was going to be very unpopular. (laughs) So Sunday night I said, hey guys, I've invited three three families over. And we had 11 kids total. And I found this really awesome writing program. And they couldn't believe that we had invited friends over to yet be tortured with one more program. But I'll never forget Monday morning when everyone was there assembled in the living room. 
And my kids were apologizing to their friends saying, we didn't know we were going to have to do this. Did your mom make you come? I'm sorry. But I popped in the DVD from Student Writing Intensive and Andrew Pudua started teaching. And I don't know if any of you, I know some of you here tonight have uh, heard Andrew speak because a couple of you have mentioned that you've used IW. But if you've heard him speak, he's very engaging. He also has a lot of humor as he teaches um, that he puts into the teaching. And the whole tone in that room changed. What happened to my kids, my oldest one with the learning disabilities, went through college. Today he is a beautiful writer. It's something he really enjoys doing and he works with at-risk youth and he writes all the time. So for him, it literally did change his life and the direction he was able to go. My daughter, who loved to write already, it honed her writing. It made her a really beautiful and effective writer. And today she writes for three magazines and is the actually the editor of IEW's Magnum Opus magazine. My youngest became a computer engineer. He was the one with that computer engineer brain. So writing was never his passion, but he was good at it and he was able to do it quickly. And it's kind of funny that he's the one that thanked me the most through the years for doing IW. When he got to college and engineering school, he was kind of the only one in his class in his classes that was really able to write and it was easy for him. So he always got nominated to be the one to write up all the things that the guys had done together. So tonight, whether you have a student with some learning issues or a student who loves to write but just needs to hone that writing, or maybe you have a student that just really hasn't done much of it or even one that hates it, I really hope that you'll see how IEW can hopefully be a blessing to your children and your students if you're logging in tonight from a school situation as well. It's something that is effective for kids of all ages and um, all capabilities, whether you have special needs or whether you have a child that doesn't have special needs, um, this methodology works. So I do want to ask you a question at the beginning, though, if you all can just type in that uh, chat box there, why do you think so many kids hate to write? Again, we've established that there's kids of all sorts, and some of them love to write. They just need some added skills. But there are a lot of kids that find writing to be very, very difficult. Um, what are some of the things that you think are stumbling blocks, hindrances to kids when they're writing? There are really a host of things. Some of them might be uh, they don't know where to start, Terry says. Yes, that's a very common one. We don't teach it well. That's interesting, Elizabeth. Yeah, it's difficult to know how to teach it. Martin, not having any idea of how to start, what to say, how to express. Haven't taught them writing's fun. Just not good at a lack of confidence. Okay, those are all fabulous answers. Sometimes it's actually even the physical gesture of handwriting uh, if you have dysgraphic students. But you're right, several of you mentioned this. Many, many students have difficulty because they simply don't know where to begin. A lot of other programs that I had used started here. Give your kids a blank piece of paper and a prompt. So maybe in the fall it would be right about your summer vacation. And there's that blank piece of paper. And that's where a lot of places start. That is one thing that makes IEW's methodology very different. We don't start with that blank page. Unit one for us, we're going to cover tonight, note making outlines and writing from your notes. That's unit one and two. Unit three, retelling narrative stories. Unit 4, summarizing a reference. Unit 5, writing from pictures. Unit 6, summarizing multiple references. Unit 7, inventive writing. 
Unit 7 for us would be considered the blank page. This is where the kids don't have any kind of a source text. They're just taking those notes directly from their brain. So by the time you get to IEW Unit 7, look at all the units they've been through. Think of all the skills they have, all the tools that are there for them to use now before you hand them that blank piece of paper. And we have two more units, formal essay models and formal critique. We're going to go through these in more detail a little bit later. But I just wanted to show you that one way we're very different is that we don't just start with a blank piece of paper. We start with unit one and two, note making and outlining, and we're going to do that right now. Um, it's, a, it's a system of modeling and imitation. That's very relaxing for your kids because they don't just have a blank piece of paper and go write about something. We're going to show them exactly how to make that outline and tell them what they're going to write about. So tonight we're going to use a paragraph. This that you see right now is from level C of student writing intensive. That is level B of student writing intensive. Tonight I want to use level A from student writing intensive level A. And it's just a paragraph about sea snakes. So I'm going to read the paragraph. And then if you don't mind, I'd like for you to choose three words from each sentence that help you remember the idea or the gist of that sentence. Okay? And then we're going to put it on an outline. The most poisonous snake in the world is not the coral snake or the death adder. It is the sea snake. Marine scientists estimate that the venom of a sea snake is 50 times more powerful than that of the king cobra. Sea snakes, however, do not always inject venom when they bite. Nobody is quite sure why this is so. The poison is slow to take effect, but when it does, it will be fatal about 25% of the time. Fishermen are the most likely to become victims either by stepping on or handling the snake carelessly. Okay, now, if you can go ahead and put in the chat box there, if you could choose three words from the first sentence that help you remember the idea of a sentence, what would those be? You don't need sea snake because we know that we're doing a paragraph about sea snakes. So go ahead and just choose three other words and just type them in the box there and just put a, a comma between the three words. The most poisonous snake in the world, world is not the coral snake or the death adder. It is the sea snake. All right, most poisonous snake, poisonous death sea, perfect. There's no right or wrong. It's what helps you remember the idea of the sentence. This is where I wish that I had a big whiteboard and it wasn't just a webinar with slides. So sorry, I have to just advance the slides that I chose. But again, there's not a right or wrong. It's what helps you remember the idea. I had most, comma, poisonous, and world. Okay, the next one. Marine scientists estimate that the venom of a sea snake is 50 times more powerful than that of the king cobra. Choose three words out of that. While you are doing that, I also want to mention that numbers and symbols and abbreviations are free. They don't count as one of the three. So 50 times in that sentence, we could put 50x and still choose three words. So marine scientists estimate that the venom of a sea snake is 50 times more powerful than that of the king cobra. What would you put there? Okay, Angela says, venom, powerful, 50 times. Perfect. Elizabeth, scientist, venom, and powerful. Okay, all these are great. I had chosen scientist, venom, 50 times, and cobra. All right, next one. Sea snakes, however, do not always inject venom when they bite. What would you choose there? Sea snakes, however, do not always inject venom when they bite. Inject venom? Yes, that's what I did, and then I put a line through always. I had always inject, so it meant not always, 
inject, and bite. Nobody is quite sure why this is so. That one's too easy. <laughs> Nobody sure and why. Okay, two more. The poison is slow to take effect, but when it does, it will be fatal about 25% of the time. What would you put there? The poison is slow to take effect, but when it does, it will be fatal about 25% of the time. And remember that that 25% is a freebie. So we'll go ahead. Slow, effect, fatal, 25%. One more. Fishermen are the most likely to become victims either by stepping on or handling a snake carelessly. And you know, people always will ask, well, why do you stick to three words? Well, let's say you're going along and your student says, oh, that's the best verb I've ever seen. Can I have four this time? Okay, you can have four. But look how they describe the snake. Can I have five this time? Okay, well, just this time. Well, pretty soon, what do you have? You have the entire sentence and you need a footnote and a quote. The idea of units one and two is to start your students understanding how to choose keywords and to limit that information. Very quickly, they're not going to be choosing keywords from each sentence. We're going to be choosing keywords from facts and ideas. And I'll show you that in a moment. This is step one to a very big process. The last sentence, okay, fishermen, okay, perfect. Let me see what I had here. I had fishermen, victims, and carelessly. Okay, are you careless? All right, now the next step is we're going to take that keyword outline that we created and we call this a verbal summary. And with your little ones, if you have first graders and you're just modeling this on the board, you can just verbally speak this back where the kids are going to make up a sentence using those first three words, most poisonous in worlds. And then unit two is when you're actually going to rewrite this into a paragraph. So we won't do the whole thing. Um, I want to make sure we, I respect your time tonight, but let's do a few sentences if you don't mind, just to make sure everybody gets the idea. So if you could take the first three words, most poisonous in world, and just make up an introductory sentence to our paragraph about sea snakes. What could you say with most poisonous in world? It's kind of funny, I never even knew there was such a thing as a sea snake. That is a, a real picture of one over there. A little frightening looking. Okay, Elizabeth says, Sea snakes are the most poisonous snakes in the world. Perfect. Okay, the sea snake is the most poisonous snake in the world. All right, surprisingly, the most poisonous snakes in the world. Okay, oops, I didn't mean to do that. It's not letting me do the next one. Okay, let's go ahead and do the second one there. Scientists, venom, 50 times, and cobra. What would you choose there? Scientists, venom, 50 times, and cobra. Thank you all for participating. I love when it says multiple attendees are typing. <laughs> oh, when I advertised the webinar, I didn't say you had to work. So thank you for doing this. I think it's um, so much easier to kind of see how it works when you take time to actually do it yourself. And it's interesting that your children will end up with very different sentences, but the facts will be the same. Michelle says, scientists have found the sea snake's venom to be 50 times as powerful as that of a cobra. Martin says, scientists have ascertained that the venom of a sea snake is 50 times more powerful than that of the cobra. And Elizabeth uses the word stronger than a cobra. Okay, uh, again, there's a lot of differences, but a lot of similarities. <laughs> okay, the next one, the not always, or marked up always, inject and bite. And a lot of people want to combine number two and number three, then nobody's sure why. 
But go ahead and do that next sentence or combine if you want to. But the not always inject and bite. We'll just do a couple more and be done here. Scientists declare that the deadly sea snake's venom is 50 times more potent than the cobras. Ooh, I like those words. Nobody is sure why sea snakes do not always inject poison when they bite. Perfect. Love that. Combine them. They do not always inject their venom when they bite. Good. Okay. I think you all get the idea. If anyone has a question at any time tonight, please go ahead and type that in the chat box, and I'll make sure that I get that answered. But, again, I was amazed that Monday morning when my children were able to just whip this out and all of a sudden they had a paragraph about sea snakes from all the torture we'd gone through trying to write a paragraph and all of a sudden here it was with that keyword outline. It made it very simple. But as I mentioned, very quickly you're going to change to choosing those keywords other ways. So I want to go ahead and take a few minutes and go through all the nine units just so you get the idea of, of what we're teaching in each of those units. You'll see on each of these slides that each unit has a specific model. So a unit is a kind of writing. Stories, essays, summaries, reports. Okay, those are type of writing. And then each of those units has a model, and you're going to see a picture of that here. So unit one, that's what we just did, note making outlines, choosing those three words. And then unit two is writing from those notes. Now unit three we call the story sequence chart or retelling narrative stories using the story sequence chart. I love in level A when Andrew Pudua takes the boy who cried wolf and he pulls apart the story and shows the kids here are the three parts of the story. The first paragraph, the characters and setting, these are the questions you ask yourself. So they go through the boy who cried wolf and then they rewrite it. Then they put their own characters in the same story. So they're practicing using that same story model they used. Um, you know, you might have the cat who cried dog or the mouse who cried cat or my personal favorite is a little girl who did um, the dust ball who cried vacuum. I love that mental image. But the whole point is that after your kids have practiced with that story sequence chart, now they know how to write a story. So if you're teaching history and you say, okay, kids, I'd like you to write a story about what it was like to come over on the Mayflower. Oh, yeah, that's the story chart. There's three paragraphs. Here are the questions I ask myself in paragraph one. Hopefully that makes sense. You know, once you know how to do these different types of writing, then whatever you're studying at home, you're able to assign the kids know how to do it. I kind of like to call IW the toolbox of how to write. Uh, once you learn that story, then you can apply it wherever you're, whatever you're learning at home. Unit four is summarizing a reference. Now this is where instead of taking those notes from three words per sentence, obviously you couldn't do that um, very long. <laughs> you couldn't take two or three pages. You wouldn't want to and have to take three words out of every sentence. That's just when you have a paragraph, that's the very beginning starting point. So now the kids are gonna learn to choose their facts from uh, keywords from facts and from ideas. This is a unit where I could give my students a couple page article from World Magazine and say I'd like a one paragraph summary. Honestly, I could not have done that well until I learned to do this through IW. There's so much good information. How do you know what to choose? So we teach the kids to choose those keywords from the facts and ideas, you know, put them onto a, a keyword outline, and then they're able to write that summary for you. 
So unit four is just a preparation for what's to come. That's just helping the kids limit information. Okay, and then unit five was a fun one. That is writing from pictures. There's not a source text in this. Um, you, you, we just simply have pictures. And I remember the one we did the first time with my children because there were monkeys in the pictures. And it was just a series of three pictures like you see on the screen here. And I remember it well because at the end of the day, Nathan, or Megan's was our family's day at the zoo. Nathan's was aliens from Mars. And it was the exact same pictures. So that was a lot of fun. But the beauty of this unit is the kids are having to really start to ask themselves questions. They're looking at that picture kind of as if they are a newspaper reporter. And what's the central fact? What's happening in that picture? And you see all the questions over there on the, on the right-hand side. So very much uh, asking questions, learning to think in Unit 5. Unit 6, now this is what Unit 4 was preparing you to do. This is summarizing multiple references. This is the report. So now you're going to be able to take several sources. You, know, you could take three different sources on, let's say, elephants. And you're going to be able to very quickly research. You're going to assimilate the information about the different topics that you choose under what you're studying. And then you'll be able to fuse that outline and have a final outline to work from as you write a report. Um, this was a huge thing for my kids. We had tried reports in the past, and we ended up using kind of how I learned in school, note cards with a lot of quotes on them. But when you use this method, the, the final report is actually in your own words, and you put a quote where you want one. So learning to take those notes, learning to research, um, that is Unit 6. Unit 7, I mentioned earlier that that's the blank page for us. And we call this taking notes from your brain. <laughs> uh, inventive writing is what we call it. And again, this can be um, come take several different forms. But there's no source text. And your kids are able to uh, write just from the notes in their own brain. There's still a structure for them to use. And then Unit 8, the basic essay model. If any of you have students that are uh, in high school or heading to college, you'll know that once you get to college, essay writing is in almost every class, my kids have three different majors. One was a youth ministry major, one was a uh, journalism major, communications, and one was electrical engineering. And all three of them had to write essays in almost every class. So this is a very important unit um, if you have kids that are heading to college. And then unit nine is a, is a unit I also love, and it's learning literary analysis. It's learning critiquing. In the younger years, if you're doing Unit 9, it's kind of more of a glorified book report. But in your older kids, this is the beginning of literary analysis. So again, a lot of thinking that goes along with this. And then as they're reading a book, they know the questions to ask themselves, and they're able to evaluate that book. So what we've been going through is the structure. Again, if you have a question, please put that in the chat box. I want to make sure that I get that answered. This picture here in the middle is our teacher course, Teaching, Writing, Structure, and Style. And this is really the core of our whole company. It's um, our core course and goes from first grade to 12th grade. And it's teaching you how to teach your students to write. Uh, it's, there are DVDs with it, so it's very enjoyable. Andrew Pudua is teaching all of us to turn around and teach our kids. 
but we call it structure and style because we also have another half here that I want to show you, the style. Okay, well, my favorite part of our program is the style. The structure is so important, and that's what makes writing so enjoyable for your kids. They've got that structure. They practice it till they know it. So you can ask them to do an essay, or let's say you're studying the heart and science class. You can say, I want you guys to do a report on the heart. They know exactly what to do. Oh, yeah, that's a unit six. I know how to do that. So you're in history, you're studying uh, Thomas Jefferson, and you'd like the kids to write an essay. Oh, yeah, that's a unit eight. I know the model. I know exactly what to do. So hopefully that makes sense. These are all the different models that they've learned through the structure. All right, now the style part is so much fun because your kids are able to see a really big difference in their own writing very, very quickly. So I want to give you just a little bit of that tonight. This is just a few of the stylistic techniques. We call them dress-ups, sentence openers, and decorations. And I'm going to give you a little bit of an example. This is just a, a sample paragraph, a typical elementary paragraph. Oh, good to have you back, Elizabeth. <laughs> okay, mosquitoes are bad pests. Their bites cause bumps that itch. Mosquitoes spread diseases to people all over the world. Their eggs need water to hatch, so taking care of standing water may help get rid of them. So I'm going to add some stylistic techniques, but before I do, I want to use the word bad for an example here and show you something else that is a lot of fun for your kids to do and makes a big difference in their writing. Um, the word bad, in our estimation, is a band word. You're not able to use it because it doesn't give you a vivid image. If I said mosquitoes are bad pests, that's just not a strong enough word. Can you think of some other words that would be better? If you were uh, somebody who was getting bit by mosquitoes and they were carrying the West Nile virus, you probably wouldn't say they are bad pests. Ooh, Lucas, I like that one. I have not ever thought of that one. Insidious. Megan says, annoying. There's so many words. Nasty. Yes, awesome. Okay, so I have a bunch of, of different words here. Wicked, evil, terrible, intrusive, deplorable, destructive. You get the idea. So it's really fun for your kids to have a big piece of paper on the wall and write band words on it. And when the kids run across something they think should be banned in your house, stick it up there and brainstorm other ideas with them. Words like big, the mountains were big. Well, that just doesn't give a very vivid image. How about they were gargantuan and they were monstrous. There's a whole lot of other great words. Little is another band word. Said, mom said. Mm, don't see much of a picture there. Mom screamed. Okay, now I get it. The band words are a lot of fun. Elias says that. Yeah, good. I'm glad your boys are enjoying that. Okay, so back to our paragraph here. I have now added a who which clause, strong verbs, quality adjectives, and an ly adverb opener. And then I underline just one of each of those. So listen to the difference now in this paragraph. Mosquitoes are intrusive pests. Their annoying bites, which cause bumps that itch, also transmit deadly diseases to people all over the world. Interestingly, their eggs need water to hatch. So removing standing water may help eliminate them. Now, every assignment has a checklist with it, which is a beautiful thing, not only for you, but for your students. I don't know if you've ever had your kids say, is it good enough yet? Am I done? My boys always seem to want to know if they were done. And this lets them know, yes, in fact, you are done. This particular checklist you're looking at has just one paragraph, 
And there are three dress-ups there, an L-Y adverb, a who, which clause, and a strong verb. So the kids can see, did they add that? Check mark, check mark, check mark, hand it in. Terry says she loves the checklist. Yeah, I do too. Now the checklists aren't to use forever. The reason we have them is because it's forcing everyone to practice and play with those stylistic techniques. I love that Andrew Pudua says, you can't get something out of a brain that's not there to begin with. So our job is to teach the kids those models so the brain knows them. So if you need to assign an essay, a summary, a report, whatever you need, they know how to do it. And then all the style to put that up in their brain and they play with it, they practice with it. They have to because it's on the checklist. Now they have all these options to figure out, okay, what style do I like? Who am I? This checklist on the right now you see has five paragraphs, a lot longer, has a lot of dress ups, and it has all the six sentence openers, and it has decorations, like similes and metaphors. So you can see there's a, that's a very advanced checklist. Again, there's going to be a point where your students won't use a checklist anymore, but now they have so many stylistic techniques that they have mastered that they have a, a big repertoire to choose from. So that's the beauty of the checklist. And I'm not going to take time to read this, but bottom line is once your kids learn those stylistic techniques, their writing changes dramatically. They know the how-to for the model, if you need an essay, and they know how to do it with a lot of style. You don't teach all the style all at once, though. It's dripped in a little at a time. We have a rule. We call it the easy plus one rule. Once one thing is easy, then you're going to add the next stylistic techniques. So you're just gradually adding them through the year. This is a before and after. I'm going to read just a few sentences of it because I really love this. This little guy's name was Ryan. He says, I was born in 1994. My birthday was June 29. I was born with hair. I was tiny. You get the idea. Those very short sentences. And after just a few weeks, this is what he wrote. A farmer's plow loosens soil just like worms do. When a worm loosens soil, the roots of the plant spread throughout the soil. Worms are also called nature's plow. I just love that because it's only a few weeks down the road. And after you learn those stylistic techniques, their writing just changes dramatically. It's very fun for them. I always tell everyone you should take a paragraph and put a date on it today and put it away. And, you know, six weeks, eight weeks from now, pull it back out and let them read it and let them see the difference and how far they've come. Now, as far as actually the product itself, you'll see on the left, that's our teacher course, Teaching Writing Structure and Style. If this is your very first year teaching, we highly recommend Student Writing Intensive because, again, you have DVDs of Andrew Pudua, and you're just watching about 30 minutes once a week of DVD, but he is teaching that skill. So when it's time for the story sequence chart, uh, Unit 3, Summarizing Narrative Stories, Andrew Pudua is actually teaching that to your kids. You've watched the teacher course when it tells you to, because that keeps you ahead of where they are, so you know the whole big picture, but he's the one introducing the skill, and he's very fun. The kids really enjoy that. Again, it's just about 30 minutes once a week. Now, if you're in a school setting, and you may want to start with the teacher course and a theme-based book, or Martin, I believe you're in a five-day-a-week school, and we actually have a school division, and we have materials to present structure and style in that five-day-a-week lesson planning called a classroom supplement. So I can definitely connect you to the proper person for that if you want to take a look at that. But if you are just teaching your children at home or a lot of hybrid schools, 
a lot of people will begin with student writing intensive. There are three levels. You only ever buy one. So no matter how many children you have, um, hopefully here you can just buy one. If you have a fourth, sixth, eighth, tenth, you can shoot for the middle and do level B, and everyone can use that level. I can explain how that would, would work. I don't know the grades everyone has, but I'm going to give you my email and make sure everybody knows what's going on there. The left-hand side I was showing you a moment ago, teacher course, student course. We, we started something called the Deluxe Combo because it knocked off a, a whole lot of money, $79. A lot of people were buying grammar, so we added two years of grammar and a thesaurus and a portable wall. But options for year two. Okay, so let's say first year you do student writing intensive. What do you do year two? Well, you have three options. First, that teacher course takes you all the way through 12th grade. So you could never buy anything ever again and just use your teacher course. So again, like I mentioned before, if you're studying science and let's say you're studying the digestive system and you would like a report on that, well, using your teacher course, you, you can review how to do that report and the kids can do that report because that's what you're studying. I was not ready the second year to do my own thing because my kids really enjoyed Student Writing Intensive and Andrew Kudua, and they were writing for the first time in their lives really, really well. So I went ahead and chose to do one more year of DVDs and did a continuation course of the level that we were doing. So there are more DVDs if you want them. And then a lot of people use our theme-based books. And I have U.S. History and World History here, but we have Narnia, Radar Rockets Robotics, Ancient History, uh, Medieval History, Fables and Fairy Tales, all things fun and fascinating. There's a very wide variety of theme-based books. So those are really nice too. Aliyah, if you can type in, in there for me what grade your kids are now, that will help me answer your question. Yes, you do move from A to B. If you have an elementary age student, you would be in level A. You have two choices. This is I'm going to give you my email too because we may need to collaborate a little more on your specific situation. We have two beautiful books specifically for second graders. Oh, good. Okay, now you're doing one of them. I remember you put that in earlier. So you're finishing Bible Heroes. Okay, perfect. So yes, yeah, so you would stay in level A. You could do All Things Fun and Fascinating next year, or you could do Student Writing Intensive Level A, but you're going to continue using Level A materials for the next couple of years, and then you'll switch to Level B. As you switch through those levels, they get much more difficult, and there's a lot more added to them. So you're definitely always progressing. And Elizabeth, yeah, you have kids that are dyslexic fifth grade twins. Absolutely. When you start um, student right intensive level A, even if they're older, even if, even if you have kids eighth, ninth that have dyslexia. Honestly, when I started, I had 11th down through fourth graders. I didn't know any better. My friend didn't know any better. So we had level A. So I had 11th graders doing A. <laughs> now, I would recommend, you know, if you have a big range doing level B, but it worked just fine. It's the same model. It was just a very easy source text. Um, we actually, the sea snake that we just did tonight, that is from level A. Um, so Martin, the whole elementary, oh, that's fantastic. Yes, absolutely. But I definitely want to connect you with our school division. Let me give you my email right now so you all have that. That is my email. And Martin, I'm going to give you, you can just email schools at IEW.com. Or email me, and then I'll just pass that along to you tomorrow, and someone will get in touch with you. 
Uh, we have something called the classroom supplement that will work for all of your elementary ages. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, good. That's exciting. Okay, I do want to mention two more things if y'all don't. I guess I have three more things. <laughs> Just very quickly. I won't take long, but we have a phenomenal program called Fix-It Grammar. And Andrew Pudua has always been very insistent that really the place to correct grammar, to learn grammar, is within the context of writing. But that's not how I taught grammar to my kids. I just had a bunch of worksheets, and let's say we were looking for all the semicolons or all the colons. I had, didn't have access to something like Fix-It. But Fix-It uses literature. I'm going to jump ahead here to the page I want you to see. There we go. Uh, let me show you how this works. On the left side, you'll see that this is the lesson. So this is the learn it section. So you're teaching pronouns, verbs, coordinating conjunctions. Uh, it's it's common with items in a series. So you're teaching through that. Then on the right-hand side, you'll see there are just four days of work. And it only takes 15 minutes a day, four days a week. So day one, you see the sentence there. This is level two, which is the story of Robin Hood. And the kids are actually editing that sentence using editing marks that they've learned at the beginning of the year. So there's going to be all kinds of problems with it. It can be usage, punctuation, grammar, spelling, but they're going to correct it. You then are going to look in the teacher book and you're going to show them, you know, make sure the corrections were done right, the fixes were done right. That whole process is very simple. Then they rewrite the sentence in another notebook. Every day they're adding one sentence to the story of Robin Hood. So by the end of the year, the entire story is written correctly in their notebook. There's so many beautiful things about this. It's very short. It's using literature. The kids are learning to edit. So now when they're doing their writing for you, they know they're looking for their own mistakes. So they become really good editors of their own work, which of course is what we want. And then the rewriting, think about that. They're rewriting these beautiful sentences. The vocabulary, the syntax is all beautiful because it's within classic literature, but they're rewriting it correctly. So they're editing whatever mistakes they're making, you're modeling here, you're fixing it with them, and then they rewrite it correctly. The bolded word, dauntless, wrath, uh, readily carefree, these are the vocabulary words. So they're going to look up their vocabulary and they're going to figure out which definition fits the context of the story. That's an important thing. Sometimes you have multiple meanings in the dictionary, but only one of them really fits the best. And then they're going to write that out. This works beautifully. Martin's making a comment here too. Oh, I can't even tell you how many of our schools use Fix-It. <laughs> Matter of fact, a lot of schools have found IW writing because they're using Fix-It first. And then they realize, oh, you have writing as well. So I encourage you to take a look at this. There, again, are samples of all of our products on our website. Or you can email me and I'll be happy to, to get you whatever you need. So that is Fix-It Grammar. Fix it so it's editing, grammar, and vocabulary. The other thing I want to mention is spelling. This was a really difficult thing at my house because my kids could memorize for the moment, is what I called it. They all had A's in spelling. None of them could remember it later. So they would write for me later, and the same words that they got A's on, they did not know how to spell. So I don't know if any of you have that issue at your house, but I know I'm not alone. A lot of moms have told me the same thing. They can memorize it, get an A on the test, and then later they don't remember the word. It just wasn't transferring. But the phonetic zoo is something that was just a uh, huge blessing to all three of my kids. Very quickly, I want to show you how this works. Basically, the kids get up in the morning and they're putting headphones on. 
it's an independent program in the sense that you're not involved, actually. <laughs> they are listening. They are writing down the word as they hear it and it's using a sentence. And then they correct the word. They're pulling out the card you see there with the alligator. The back of that card has all the words from the different levels. And so they're, they're seeing it. They're hearing it correctly spelled letter by letter. And if they miss it, they rewrite it. The whole thing takes 15 minutes a day. That's it. They get up the next day and they do the exact same lesson until they've done two days in a row 100% correct. You can't do two days in a row 100% correct until the brain has stored those words. So it was a phenomenal thing for us. The kids go at their own pace. So it's, there's, it's, not, it's not stressful. It, you could say there's no test, but really it's kind of a test every day. But it doesn't matter how many you miss. You're just going to do the same thing every day until you've done it two days in a row 100% correct. Uh, looks like, oh, Elizabeth, you've used it. Awesome. I want to make sure I didn't miss a couple questions here. Alaya, on your question on Shirley English or essentially the English language, I have not looked at classical conversations, literature, or grammar, so I'm not sure on that one. Fix it is very different than anything I've seen. But again, it's just a sentence a day. You're adding on to that story, but there's all kinds of fixes within that sentence. Usage, punctuation, grammar, spelling, capitalization, in marks, all those different things. And then it builds on itself. So it's 15 minutes a day, so it's pretty short, but within the context of writing. So our customer service team will be able to give you a lot better answers as far as comparisons because they're a lot more familiar with the other programs you mentioned. So sorry about that, but they're phenomenal. Give them a call or you can do the, the online chat thing with them. And they will know everything that you that you need a question or have a question on, or they'll find somebody who does. So, okay, so that is spelling, and move on here. Um, Alaya, if you are not ready for the next do we usually say third grade on up. Yes, under third grade, we recommend all about spelling. Absolutely. By third grade, they're usually ready for the next do um, and being independent. So. Okay, I very briefly, I'm not going to take a long time on this, but if you have kids in kindergarten and first grade that are learning to read and write, primary arts of language is really enjoyable. It's everything you need for kindergarten, first grade. By the time they're finished with this, they are ready to start second grade language arts. So using poetry, using the phonetic farm where they're putting a sticker on, using a lot of phonetic games, you have the integration of the poem, the game, the worksheet, the reader, all the phonograms you're working on, and it is a lot of fun. So there's a good description and a short video clip online showing you, we call it PAL, but Primary Arts of Language. And then lastly, I just want to make sure that I mentioned that we have a lot of ways that we would like to support you. Our monthly e-newsletters that are full of information. We have a great forum right now. Uh, people for the, our Anyone who wanted to be part of what we're calling the great TWSS adventure, um, all over the world, people are watching the teaching, writing, structure, and style one disc per week and then collaborating on the forum. So that's been a lot of fun. Just in, encourage you to join that if you'd like to. And we have three blog posts every week. A lot of information there. We have a wonderful podcast. And Julie Walker and Andrew Pudua just present all sorts of information and you can find that on iTunes or Stitcher or just on our website. And then the Magnum Opus magazine is something I want to make sure I mention because as your students write, and Martin, your kids and your whole school, as they're writing, 
please have them submit their work to us. We do a monthly newsletter and we do three digital full color online issues per year. And then once a year we do a hard copy print magazine and it's just beautiful. It's such a neat way for kids to be able to have their work published and it looks good for them. If you have high school kids and they're putting together that sheet of all the things they did in high school and they've been published, that, that doesn't hurt either. Okay, seven, we have a Facebook page, a little different than other Facebook pages that I've been part of. Uh, we put a lot of content out there, and hopefully you can take advantage of that. And then if you need accreditation or CEUs, we offer that as well. And online classes are almost full for fall, but if you were interested in that, you could check with our customer service team and see if there's any room there. And then, as I mentioned earlier, because of Martin being here, we do have a schools division, and um, that's definitely something that we'd love for everyone to take advantage of if you're part of a full-time school. So I'm going to check back on the questions here before we're done. Please go ahead and put anything in there that you need me to answer and then we'll sign off tonight. And Terry's asking about games and songs that reinforce IW concepts. We have a product that's just all games for IW. It's called Decorations diversions and delightful <laughs> it's ddd i'm having trouble forgetting remembering what it's called if you go to our website i think it's give that a try give that one a try <laughs> but you can chat with our customer service team and uh, but we do have a, a downloadable book that's just loaded with games if you have any of our theme-based books all of them have some games too so that is a lot of fun anything else Let's see, Martin's asking, classroom supplements, no, they're not in the TWSS. They are a classroom supplement, I believe, is $79, and it's Blackline Masters for the teacher to use year after year uh, for the classroom. Pretty sure I'm right on that. Elizabeth, yes, all about spelling is time intensive. You're absolutely right. Um, yes, I can see that if you have multiple children. So it is an excellent program, and so that's kind of 15, 20 minutes of you where Phonetic Zoo uh, is 15 minutes without you. So if you have kids third on up, hopefully you could transition them into the phonetic zoo and perhaps just keep using all about spelling with your little ones. But usually if they've done either three levels of uh, all about spelling or they're in third grade, they're usually ready to go on. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here tonight. I'm going to go ahead and turn the turn Respigi back on here but to end but if you have questions I'll definitely hang around for a little bit uh, thank you so much for being here it was great spending time together and you've got my email I'll stick it in there one more time um, please email me or chat with customer service whatever we can do and everyone else thank you so much for being here it was great to get to know you a bit and hopefully our paths will cross again have a great evening everyone Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcasts. Until then, on behalf of Andrew Poudoua and the team at IEW, I thank you for the privilege of allowing us to partner with you on your journey toward better listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking.